is good to see you in the house of God today. We know a lot of our family members are traveling, so they're on vacation. Who's going to the beach? Anybody going to take a day trip to the beach tomorrow? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, I see a hand back here, my wife. <laughs> We're getting up at early, 5 a.m. We're going to head to the beach for the day. We need our vitamin D is what she tells me. So, uh, Okay, I'd rather go uh, two hours to the mountains, but she's starting to get me broken with the beach. Edisto is becoming a place where it's quiet. And I can actually hide. No one knows my name down there. And, and so uh, get on the cove. I won't tell you which exit, just in case you're down there. I don't want you to go to the one I'm at. I'm just kidding. Uh, there's many, many jellyfish where we are and lots of sharks. I'm, I'm just kidding. It's a, isn't it a great to get away sometimes and not talk to anyone? Sometimes just kick it up in neutral and just sit under the shade at the beach. I don't get into the sunshine very much, only by accident if I get sun. So if I go to the beach, I look the same when I come back as I did when I left. And someone says, you didn't get much sun. It's because I didn't intend to. So, um, listen, I hope you enjoy your time off this weekend. Do take some time just to shut down with the Lord and have that Sabbath to rest with Him. He does want to restore your heart and your soul, even your body. And today, as we look into the Word of God, I hope that you're encouraged. Jesus is leaving His disciples. It's a very discouraging time uh, for these men, but it's very encouraging for us because we have the whole counsel of God. We have this story as a historical narrative that's happening but we also have the end of the story where these men come full circle and they write about their experiences with God and the influence of the Holy Spirit that, uh, He had on their life. And uh, we're going to look at that today. We're going to go back and forth a little bit today, not just in this historical narrative setting. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to John 14. This is like our almost 40th sermon in this series. And uh, that's almost a year of sermons that we've been preaching through the book of John. You've been learning. If you've been going to Catalyst, how many of you actually go to Catalyst and enjoy it? Not just go, who actually enjoys it? So the intent is it's a small group Bible study at 9 o'clock that you can go, and, and for seven weeks you have a teacher. And the intent is not like the old Sunday school. We grew up in Sunday school, and people would have these pins. They would come to church deathly sick, but they'd have all these pins that you would get like in the military that would hook on each other. Anybody ever seen those pins? Anybody, anybody ever have a five-year pin, 10-year pin, 20-year pins? Anybody get a 20? 20? All right, you came when you were deathly sick. Oh, God bless you, Nanette. Your mom and dad, they sent, they sent you to church sick. You had to be sick to get that. And half the time, like, I got to tell you the truth, Nanette, half the time in a Baptist church, people lied. <laughs> they, they said, I was in the bathroom and all during that whole hour. I was in the bathroom, I didn't feel well, but I was here, so count me in. And now with people watching by TV, they just count. We, good thing we don't do it anymore. But people would walk around and dangle about how braggadocious they were in Sunday school. You would think the people with the most pins would be the most godly. Amen? And sometimes we find that to be opposite. So just uh, we don't do the pins anymore. We don't call it Sunday school. We call it a catalyst because we want to thrust you forward in Jesus' name. And we want you to every seven or eight weeks switch teachers and go to a new teacher because we have some godly men who teach the Word of God. And they're better teachers than me. So when you go in, and not that I'm, I'm, I'm really look up to these men, I have a chance sometimes to visit. Sometimes I don't always get that opportunity. But I like to visit from class to class, and, and I learn things even as, I, as I'm growing in, in my own personal faith. That the, These men have been somewhere, done something. People in the class, men and women in the class, have an opportunity to talk about their experiences and, and just bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the Father. So let's look at uh, John 14. We're going to pick up in verse 10 today. Uh, we went through verse 11 last week, but 10 sets us up for this week through verse 14. You say, we should be out here in 10 minutes. Well, there's a whole lot of stuff packed in here in just uh, these few verses. 
A lot of more doctrine. John 14 is full, and John 15 is full of doctrine. And doctrine is simply the, the teaching of Christ. Two doctrines I'd like for you to notice when we, when we read these passages of Scripture and talk about the Bible. The supremacy of Christ. What is Jesus Christ? Is that true? Is Jesus supreme? And if he is, if y'all have ever been to a place where you go to a pizza hut and you get a supreme, what's on the supreme? Everything. has everything on it. So if you think about the supremacy of Christ, you're thinking about he's all sufficient, he has all authority, he has all power, he has everything, he has all the pizza. Yeah, good job, Matt. And so it's the supremacy of Christ. He has everything. That's the doctrine that if he has everything, what does that make him? If he has full authority in heaven and earth, if he has full authority in life over situations in life, what does that make him? Jesus is God. That's what the supremacy of Christ means, that Jesus is God. That's doctrine number one. Doctrine number two is God is love. We just think about show yourself to me, let me actually live my life through you so that we might actually show our love to one another. And I don't know about you, but growing up, we grew up in a family of four. We showed our love by fighting. We wrestled. We threw rocks, acorns at each other. This was the way we had a love language. We, ours was always associated with pain. And, and I find not many people were like us. We grew up in the country uh, uh, when we were real little. And have, has anybody been in an acorn fight? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. I know some of our students have. We introduced our students at school to acorn fight. I did out back, and we had a couple of uh, bruised spots. But it was a lot of fun, and they enjoyed it. And they showed they were able to express their love to me with multiple acorns coming at me. So... Uh, they understood the, the love language that we speak. But today, Jesus is talking about love, and we're going to go to First John, and look what John says even more about Jesus before, um, and after we read this passage. But John was very clear. He was the one that Jesus, the disciple that Jesus loved. And he talks about an attribute of God as God being love. Now, love is not God. Make sure that's clear in your mind and in your notes, but God is love. So let's read the passage today, John 14, and then we'll get into the notes. John 14, 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works or the miracles themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, what does the Bible say, your translation say? I will do it. So this is where so many people have read this and said, okay, we're going to, many cults have started over these few verses, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. Let's pray together. Father, bless the reading and teaching of your word, we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Go back to your notes, I want you to see this. We'll read straight from the notes as quick as I can, but because I want you to see these things found in Scripture, because we have to go to other Scriptures. We have other addresses to go to. If you look at your notes, Jesus questioned his disciples, right? He's asking the question, do you not believe, or do you believe, is how we would say it. And they had to answer the question, do I believe or do I not? Have you ever been faced with something like that? When we talked about Charles been praying about his cancer situation, do I have it or do I not? How many of y'all have, have faced it or had a family member face cancer in the last whatever months, days, years? Put, raise your hand and show. Look, you've had to face that C word, right? We did in our family with Wendy. What do we do? How do we pray? And what do we do through it, right? You've got to get through it. You're going to live tomorrow, right? Everybody, tomorrow's coming for all of us. Everybody knows that, right? Tomorrow is coming no matter what. 
The next day's coming. The next day's coming. Everyone's going to either be here, heaven, or hell. There's only three places you're going to be tomorrow, right? There's only three choices, but tomorrow's coming for you, and it's coming for me. Your destination is actually based on what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing about his greatness and how great he was, he asked the question, look at this, do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Well, the Jewish people knew that he's saying, and that's why the Jewish leaders got so angry with him, as we talked about last week. He, they understood that Jesus was saying that he was God. They're saying that he's claiming deity, and therefore, that's blasphemy. We're going to kill him. They wanted to stone him to death. Well, they had to have an answer for the Lord. Have you ever had a, your boss come and give you an ultimatum? Hey, I need an answer by 5 o'clock today. Or we got to do not resuscitate on the grandparents. Do we actually make that decision now, we don't want to make that decision. We always feel when we're signing documents that for our children, right, if you have a, a will and testament that I don't want to be resuscitated, your children have to make that decision. Do we exercise that what they said or do we not? Story after story, we're always having to make decisions. And these disciples, they've given up their lives, they've given up their livelihoods, if you will, to follow Jesus for the last three years. And now Jesus says, I'm going away. How do you think they feel? How about you and your work? Your Boss says, hey, we're closing the factory. You don't have a job come next week. Hey, uh, your wife or spouse or husband says, hey, I'm leaving the, the family. Uh, those major massive decisions just break you in half and make you want to cry out to the Lord if you know the Lord. Why? Why did this happen? And whatever it might be, in this case, these men have given up their livelihood, their fishing business, their dad's business, that there was family business, and here they are. They're stressed out. Look at verse 11. Out of his nature of love Jesus commanded his disciples to believe in him as one with the father in doing so he helped their fear and doubt by pointing to the evidence of God God works he completed during his personal three year faith journey with them or with him now you think three years worth of miracles would prove to you that Jesus is God he fed 5,000 plus women and children so more like 15 or 20,000 people he fed the 4,000 he healed the blind he brought the dead back to life. They've seen and experienced all these things, but as we read through John, we see that they have an experience that's a God experience, and then they turn back around and they are so human that they're competing with each other, talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. These men were like you and me. They were very much a competitive bunch. They were a jealous bunch. They were selfish bunch, and they would constantly see God do a thing, and then they would come back and, but my life, right? Me first. And aren't we the same way today? God does this wonderful miracle in our life, and then we turn back around just a few days, a few months, a few years later, and we talk about what used to be, not what is today. We talk to people, has God ever spoken to you? And listen, that's something you need to ask your question. God should be speaking to you on a regular basis. You should be hearing from God on a regular basis. And I'll propose this to you. God's already spoken through his word, and he's already given you an answer to your prayer before you were even born, the prayer that you ask. He said, well, how can that be? It's in his word because he's God. I'll show you a story. Something's funny. If you're watching by YouTube or Facebook, I'm going to disappear for a moment. I want to show you something. I warned everybody I was coming that was sitting around me. Some 14 years ago, I was praying. Life was really good. Had the, made the most money I've ever made. It was nice as house. Um, cars were nice. Kids were in good schools. And my pastor told me, he said, get out of here. I don't want to see your face. You haven't taken much vacation. And we came to Aiken and I, to see Wendy's mother. She's from here. And I said, what church are you going to today? And she told me what church, and I didn't want to go to that church. So I said, I'm going to Town Creek. And I'd been praying here on the steps because this was a very dark place to pray at night. 
and the moon shines really wonderfully here. So I would come here and pray. And God would impress on my heart, hey, you're going to be the pastor of that church one day. And I'm like, whatever. And I would get up and leave as soon as he said that because I, things were going great. Well, I came that Sunday and a couple people knew me, invited me and said, hey, sit with us. They knew me from another a, a former church. So I came and sat right here Sunday morning. And the Lord, the whole time during the sermon, y'all can look around at me. I know it's a weird place for me to preach, but I'm sitting here with friends. And the Lord's impressing on my heart over and over, you're going to be the pastor of this church. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I keep, I'm messing with the Bible. I'm trying to distract myself. I don't want to be at Town Creek because that's not a desire, uh, but it's something I feel called. And young pastor, six foot two, I don't know Jason very well. He was here. He preached. And um, great sermon out of the book of Psalms. How can you remember that from 14 years later, right? Because it was impressive. He was a great preacher, better than me. He was more handsome than I. I had hair. I used to have hair before I came here. Um, but he finished preaching, gave an invitation like we do every Sunday. And I'm still praying. And the Lord's saying, you're going to be the pastor of this church. And I'm like, okay, maybe when I retire, because he's got a whole lot of years ahead of him, right? He's so much younger than me. And so the Lord kept saying, and at the end, well, he did something I've never seen a pastor do. He put the microphone back on, and he started naming names and calling. <laughs> he said some things that I probably wouldn't say in private. He pointed out people and said some things that he felt like people had done him wrong. And as a matter of fact, me and my wife, we quit today. And he walked right past me and went out there and left the headset up here on the, on the podium. And the Lord just went, I told you so. Now, I haven't talked to the search committee, and then I was leaving. I was like, how do you get in there? Everybody cut, that loved him went this way, and some people didn't, right? I, I'm not there to judge. I'm just saying this is happening. This is, this is from my perspective. And I'm sitting back there going, oh, my goodness. Lord, you're scaring me to death. So I tried to get out this way. I didn't know how to get out. Of the, I just looked for exit signs. I was doing. Everybody's jammed up here. I'm squeezing through people. I go out that way, and I don't know if you know, Amy used to be the piano player. She said, Clint Smith, you knew he was quitting today, didn't you? And you come in here for a job. That's what she said to me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just came to worship today, and I, I got out of here. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So long story short, they, uh, the search committee ended up with my name. They called me, and here I am. Listen, uh, just when God speaks to you, he speaks with clarity. He won't always tell you the details or the hows and the whys because you wouldn't believe him anyway. And that Sunday, I'm sitting back there. I didn't believe him that I was going to be the pastor of this church in the sense that I didn't believe it was right here, right now. I'm thinking that sometime, maybe when I retire and move back to Aiken, or I didn't know. But he spoke to me right back there. Another time we're praying, I won't go sit in all the seats because I've sit in a lot of different seats. When I was the pastor, and it was like World War III in this church when I first got here to me. There was a fight and a scandal all the way, it seemed like, every Sunday. And I sit right back over here and I prayed, Lord, what in the world have you done to me? What did I do to deserve this? And, and I asked him, Lord, give me favor. And then we had some issues with some youth. And I sat over here and prayed, Lord, most of the teenagers sit over here, pray for them and their families that they would actually do, do it the right way. And so I can tell you, and I've prayed here at the altar, and I've prayed at different places where I've sat in here at nighttime. Even last night I had time to reflect praying on the front porch. I went and sat on the front porch in the darkness and was just amazing to meditate upon the Lord how he has spoken y'all know Don Lemon some of you do an older gentleman used to be in our church and he had a brain tumor and on the spine of his uh, brain and he comes to pastor I want you to exercise John 5 I mean James 5 on me please and I'm like James 5 is that the healing thing right because we're Baptists and 
And we, we believe in the book, but we don't exercise some of the books sometimes, right? And so he said, I want to be anointed with oil because I'm, he's losing weight. He was 70-something at the time. And so we go out, and I, I think Martin, you were the chairman of Deacons at the time. Martin, go get, the, uh, go get some oil. It didn't tell us what kind of oil to use. It just says, anoint them with oil. And I'm like, motor oil, WD-40. What do we have back there? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know how to do it. Because read it for yourself. You're laughing at me. But James 5 just says, do it. It doesn't say how and what. So then I said, okay, Jerusalem, it would have been olive oil. Martin, get the best olive oil we have back there in the, in, for cooking with, in the kitchen. Martin goes and makes a nice little setup in a white cloth. As best we can think about holiness, and we set it up and anoint Don. And the Bible says to confess our sins to one another. So as a, me and the elders and deacons grab around and we sit and talk, we confessed our sins to each other and then exercised our faith. If you look, it's the exercising of the elders' faith to anoint him. How do you anoint him? The only thing I know about in the Old Testament is pour oil all over your head of a bullhorn, and we didn't have a bullhorn, so George, y'all's daddy, wanted to dump like the whole thing on his head. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to dump it on his head. It's got to be something. So we just said, what's, this, what's the unifying sign of Christ? What would y'all say it is? The cross. So we dipped our fingers in and made the sign of the cross. And it's not the oil that heals. It's the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so we made the sign of the cross. We prayed together. And we expected that God was going to do a work because Don exercised his faith by coming forward. We had to exercise our faith by praying. And so he comes back a week later with another MRI, and he says, look at this. He had both lights up. One had a tumor a week later. The other one had no tumor at all. He said, my doctor can't explain it. So the question is, when we come back, you know, we give the Lord praise for that because it was all him, right? Because Jesus is saying, listen, you can do the same works that I did and even greater. And he was talking about, I believe, territorial works, and then we'll talk about that in just a moment. But when I touched him, listen, I want you to be very clear. When I touched Don... It was not my hands that healed him. It was not any power within myself. We want to give all glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God the Father. Amen? But did, did God use me to heal him? The answer is yes. The, the anointing that James 5 said, we went like a childlike faith and exercised it. Did God call me and did he use the church, Town Creek, to call me? Did God speak? The answer is yes. Is that a great work? Did Jesus heal now, he had the supernatural power to touch and talk, right? Just speak to it and it happens because he's the Lord. But he uses you and me if we would actually exercise what Scripture says. These greater things was Jesus was limited to his skin and bones, if you will. He was limited to the area that he traveled in. And the greater works were a geographical work that, hey, you guys are going to turn the world upside down. I can't even tell you what you're going to do. But did the disciples heal people supernaturally? The apostles, I should say. They had apostolic power. They healed supernaturally. They could call down fire if they wanted to. Uh, there was supernatural things they could do. And I want you to see, these men are not even ready for this yet because why? They're still young in their faith going, how? We, they're thinking about earthly things. How do I give up all this stuff? And where are you going? You're leaving us? And they were stressed out. Listen, y'all, could you imagine sitting in the room when Jesus telling you, hey, I'm leaving and where I'm going, you can't go right now, but you can come later. Where are you going? So let's continue. So we need to, if you hold your place there and go to 1 John with me, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, it's on page 1,586 in my Bible. Go ahead and turn to, if you would, 1 John. 1 John, 1 John 1, or 1 John 1. 
I want you to only read this together. Excuse me, 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Let me read that. 1 John 4. We need to set this up. This is John writing to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit after he's in this group of stressed out men too, but now he's lived a little bit of life and experienced the moving of God. He writes this to us today and really to the church uh, we experienced this. 1 John 4, 6. When you're there, say amen. We are of God. He who knows God hears him. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, what does your Bible say? We know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's a question for you as a Christian. Can you know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? What must you do to actually balance what's true and what's false? You must have a guideline, if you will, right? You must have a stability, a, a, if you will, you would have the foundation laid. And what is the foundation? The foundation is none other than Jesus Christ, the authoritative word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was speaking very clearly about him and all of his attributes and his ways. And we learn about him from God's holy book. So John says, we know. We know, and listen, he says, you've got to get this down. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. But also implied there, who do they hear from? From God. And there's no more apostles today, by the way. Little apostles, yes, messengers going out. If somebody claims the title of apostle, ask them to stop, do a miracle right in front of you, take them to the hospital, ask them to clear the fifth or fourth floor, and then say, okay, I believe in you. If they can't heal, if they can't call down fire from heaven, then listen, they're a false prophet, amen? Don't mess around with people who call themselves a prophet today. So many people want the word prophet, apostle. They want to load themselves up with that terminology from the capital A aspect, not the little a. Little a means the sin one, or messenger. Capital A means the apostle John, Peter, those men who were given supernatural powers from Jesus Christ himself. So if somebody claims an apostolic uh, uh, favor with God and powers, ask them to prove it. Don't let, don't let their mouth just run it. Ask them to walk it out and show it to you, because I'd like to see it too. Bring them by here. I would love to go to lunch and have a conversation with them and actually see something, right? Because not a dog and pony show, because I know for a fact there are no more apostles today. They were called specifically by God. There are, don't get the, remember, the lowercase a apostle, that's us. Evangelicals, we're going out and we're giving a message of the gospel. So don't get that mixed up. I'm talking about the capital A apostles. If I call myself Apostle Clint Smith, you know I'm trying to lead you astray that I want you to believe that I have supernatural powers from God and I have been anointed to do something special that you can't do. You're right here with God and I'm right here with God. That is not a fault. That's a false statement today. Listen, all of us are on equal basis with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been saved by the same blood. Listen, we've been brought by the same blood and we stand before the Lord and we have direct access to the Father without going through any man or woman. We can go directly to the Father, right? And listen, through Jesus Christ. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, read the scripture today that we're reading and find out what Jesus says. And what you have to do is make a decision Will you believe what Jesus says, not what Pastor Clint says, right? And pastor is the title of overseer or bishop or presbyter. All those mean the same thing. Elder means the same thing. Shepherd means the same thing. So don't let somebody get you caught up in titles because titles don't make a hill of beans. Amen? Jesus. Jesus is the one that matters. Have you ever heard of a hill of beans? Hill of beans are expensive now. That's not even a good saying anymore because hill beans are expensive. All right. Let's continue reading in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of whom? God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For what does your Bible say? God 
is love. Mark that. That's a doctrinal statement that you need to mark down in your heart on those days you're feeling cranky, right? Or when you're feeling like you can't love anybody, God is love, and those who love God will demonstrate love to others. Even when, you don't, when they don't love you back, when they don't actually treat you kindly, you bless them when they curse you. In verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live, how? Through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son, that's Jesus, to be the propitiation for our sins. If you will, he stood in the gap to take away our sins. That's another sermon for another day. He basically stood in the gap. We owed God a huge debt we couldn't pay, and Jesus paid it all on the cross. That's why we sing, we sing that song, Jesus paid it all. Verse 10, uh, excuse me, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love whom? One another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides where? In us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, verse 13, we know that we abide in him and that he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Now we got to transition. Watch this. Here's the, here's the consummation of the love. Love, verse 17, has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, what does it do, church? Cast out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because why? He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother and whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen. Amen? Is that always easy to follow those commandments? No, you're like, Lord, this is a heavy burden. And he says, just take a look at Calvary if you want to see heavy burden, right? Just a, a perfect, holy God taking on your sin, my sin, that's a burden to bear. Peter would tell us later to cast all of our burdens upon the Lord Jesus Christ because why? He cares for you. Now, again, see them in the room stressed out, probably biting their fingernails, learning how, and then see them as the apostles writing back, looking back, going, he cares for you. Listen. We were all stressed out. And they don't write it like we talk. They would have said, hey, we were stressed to the max, not wondering what he was going to do. Jesus called me Satan. He even said Satan wanted to destroy me. Jesus told me that I was going to deny him three times. I denied him three times with some curses. And Jesus restored me three times. And let me, as he kept moving, as he got older and wiser in the Lord, he kept looking back going, listen, cast your cares upon him. When you're here, over here starting out, your new career in college, in high school, middle school, whatever it might be, a new career, retirement, whatever it is you're doing, when you start out, you're a little bit having trepidation a little bit. You don't know what to do. And the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Now, that only applies to those who are Christians. 
Those who have given their heart and life to Jesus Christ that have trusted Him as their Lord and Savior, He'll take you from wherever you are to where He wants you to be so that when you get to where you're supposed to be as you're in life, you'll look back and take somebody else and say, listen, I was there one time. That happened to me once upon a time. Let me tell you my story. And that's why I share the story from back there, and that's why I share the story from back here and the story from over here, the story from here, the story from here. I can only tell you my story, what God's done in my life, because it's a matter of fact. Later on, my wife, Wendy, you know, she had cancer, and it was... Um, Got later on, and she said, hey, I want to do that James 5 thing, too. That's my wife. She's been a very pastoral wife type, that James 5 thing. And we prayed for her, and this is my wife now. So what, you want to feel pressure. I'm her pastor, yes, but I'm also her husband. And this is the weirdest thing I've ever done is pray for my wife in this kind of supernatural, weird way. I've prayed for her my whole life as a Christian, but now to pray that God would do something, it felt selfish to me, but also felt honoring. It was weird. I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing ever. And guess what God does in her life? He heals her of cancer 100%. To God be the glory. We're talking about George. George came and asked for, prayer, for healing. George had a heart transplant. And of course, he had some weird cancer that was coming from the medicines. And George went on to be with God in glory. Was he healed? Better than all of us. But it wasn't what we wanted. We were asking God to do it here and now. And then, of course, we had one person come and said, I am not going to confess my sins. My personal life's none of your business. That's what they told us right up here. And we said, we have no business in that because the Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear. This is what God says for us to do. I don't like telling you my stuff either. I'm a man. I got pride. I'm strange like that sometimes, still sinful sometimes. I don't want to tell you where I'm weak. But I did, and this man refused to do it. And he walked out those front doors and never seen him again in severe pain and brokenness. He refused. I can tell you story after story after story. Listen, if we do it God's way, we always get God's results. And the results aren't always what we think they are. We think God should do it my way, and therefore I know the best. And God's, oh, you're right. Let me give you the key to the universe real quick. Just take it for a spin one time, and you just take charge. <laughs> He's never going to do that because you don't know what you're doing. You don't even know what you need. He does. He's, listen, He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. So listen, turn your life over to him and trust him. When we talk about trusting and obeying God, we just say, Lord, this is fun, this is crazy, this is scary. Like these disciples over here bunch in the room. What are you saying you're going away and we can't go? He's saying, listen, trust me. That's what he was saying. He's saying, trust me, love me. Let's continue. Let me give this quickly in the notes. Verse 12 said this. Jesus' disciples were overwhelmed and stressed. Jesus knew their thoughts. After all, he created them. Is that true? Is he creator? Go back and read John 1. You'll find out he, everything that was made, he made. He called them. He allowed them to serve with him and on his team. If you go back and read 1 John 1, 1 through 10, you'll find out what John says more and more about Jesus, how great he was and how Jesus came in the flesh. And he says, we touched him. We listened to him. I'm telling you, we were here bunched up, scared, stressed out. And now we're here telling you, he's wonderful. There is nothing that can happen in my life that he doesn't authorize. Isn't that good to know? The devil can't get over on you. Don't say the devil did it. The devil made you do it. The devil can never do anything in your life that God doesn't allow. Find a chapter verse. Go look at Job. Go look at Peter. Go look at the disciples. Nothing in your life will happen unless God gives authority or permission for it to happen. And when it does happen, it's going to come out for his glory. If you'll turn to him and say, listen, Naked I came into the world, naked I shall leave it. Amen? That's what Job said. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you say that? Can you actually say all the stuff? And by the way, the more stuff you accumulate in this world, the greater riches you have, the harder it is to say, I give all this up in the name of Jesus. 
because stuff starts to matter, right? The weekend's coming. I saw big powerboats passing me last night, people fueling up and taking off to the lake. And, and that's a blessing. Listen, I, I'll celebrate. But the more stuff you have, the more stuff has you. Amen? Let's continue. Same thing in verse 12. Jesus referenced his geographical limited great works and promised his disciples they would do greater works because he was going to the Father. The disciples would later turn the world upside down by taking the gospel, as it were, worldwide. And you and I are here today on the other side of the world professing Jesus Christ, a Middle Eastern prophet, a Middle Eastern son of God that he was called, that we profess him. He came from the Middle East, and we have the message all the way over here in America. Isn't it great to actually know that God has full authority all over the world? He used these few men that trusted him to go and change the world for Jesus Christ. Uh, the Jewish leaders called them ignorant and unlearned men. Yet they knew they'd been with Jesus. Isn't that a good word? Man, I'd like to have that on my tombstone. They knew I'd been with Jesus. And I want to be known as that. I don't want to be known as my, 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 anything that happened that, that I get credit for. Even my family is wonderful, but I want to be known that I, that I know Jesus and love Jesus. Well, verse 13 transitions, and I gave you a bunch of scriptures. There, Matthew 28, that's the Great Commission, Acts 1. That's where he says, you'll, you'll be my witnesses here. Listen, in Jerusalem, you're going to start here at home, and then you're going to go to the ends of the earth. And by the way, we're still there at the ends of the earth. And now we have the message, and what are we doing? We take it right back to the other side of the world, right? Everywhere it came from, we're taking it back to because people still need to know and hear about the message of Jesus Christ. Our commission has never changed. It will never change until Jesus comes again. We must carry it forward in Jesus' name. We must make disciples of all the nations. We must baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We must teach them everything that God taught his disciples. And then always remember that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the God that we serve. And, of course, Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, Listen, I want to tell you the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So we have power in prayer and we have power in the gospel. How can we possibly lose as Christians? How, that was a question. How could we possibly lose as Christians? The answer is, we cannot lose as Christians. I got an issue, Pastor. I'm praying about something. Okay, take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father saying, let me hear it. Is it, it going to bring God glory? Let me hear it. Okay, then let's do it. Father, this is what they're saying. And even if you mess up the words, the Holy Spirit says, hey, Clint really couldn't talk the other night because he was a little bit, his channel was a little fuzzy. He had tears in his eyes or he had something going on. He was distracted. But here's what he was saying. And Jesus says, okay, that's what I understand. Father, this is what he was saying. What do you think we should do? And the father's like, I know what we should do, right? I already had a plan. And here's what's going to happen. If God told you what he's going to do in your life this time next year, you'd be shocked or scared to death. Because you have this plan and this, this purpose in your life, you think, right? Some of y'all have this mission statement on your bathroom mirror and you're like, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, right? And you got all these little uh, writings and little poems and different things that kind of motivate you through life. Well, the, the sermon title today is The Power Within Christ Followers. It's not the power within, not some motivational thinking, not some positive power, uh, power of positive thinking. This is actually the Holy Spirit of God moving you to do day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, the things that he wants you to do. The question is, are you doing it? These guys didn't know that when they were all bunched up in a small room thinking he's leaving them. But these men that look back over their time saying, listen, he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. So listen, some of you are going through some stuff today, right? All of us are, some kind of stuff, some kind of way. 
and we have to trust him that he's faithful. We pray and say, Lord, this is what's on my table. This is what's on my, this is my, this is my heavy lift today. Lord, I give it to you. The problem is many people come to the cross, drop their baggage, and then kind of get up somebody else's bag. Hey, this is an attractive bag. And they take their bag and some other bag and take it with them. You know how you do that? Through counseling. If you're not healthy in your relationship with Jesus Christ, do not counsel another person. Don't spend time getting their junk right in your baggage compartment because what's going to happen is going to weigh you down. And then it's going to turn in from a prayer request or counseling, it's going to turn into gossip and even hatred if you're not careful and many other sinful things. Don't mess around if you're not right with God trying to tell people how to be right with God. Get right first. And by the way, it's easy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you're right with God, listen, you give out righteous counsel. You give out godly counsel. You, you do it God's way. Let me quickly give you this. Listen, 13, Jesus provided comfort and assurance to his disciples by sharing how to carry on his work and how to have power in prayer. What is the power of prayer? Listen, I've told you some examples this morning we've had here. Did I do what Jesus did? did I be a, was I part of a healing it feels weird to ask you that question because that feels like it points to me. Let me quickly say it's not me. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit moved. He gets the credit. His word said to do it. We were faithful to actually do what his word said. And then, listen, guess what happened? We, had a, we saw a supernatural healing. And Don's still alive today, somewhat 10, 12 years later. Here's the deal. Do we take credit? Absolutely not. No credit from here. But I'm telling you, you can do those things. What if God calls you out? What are you going to do? When God says, listen, somebody says, hey, you're the only elder I know in my life. Dad, you're the pastor of your home. Grandpas, you have a responsibility. What if somebody comes to you and says, listen, you are the only church I know right now. What are you going to do? Pray for me. Will you pray for me? Listen, I'm facing, I'm facing down the barrel of cancer or heart disease, whatever it is. Will you pray for me? Well, how do you pray? What is the first thing we pray? Lord, fix it. Isn't that how we pray? And sometimes the fix-it is not how we want it fixed. Sometimes the fix-it, most of the time the fix-it, well, it's never going to be like we think it's going to be. But listen, God's ways are higher than our ways. We come to him and say, Lord, I, I don't know how to do any of this mess. You know what they're dealing with? Lord, they got a transfer trailer full of junk. Would you just kind of start taking that thing apart piece by piece because I don't know how you can even fix that. Have you ever seen some people so messed up you don't know how God can fix them? You're looking at one. I told you this, this church hired a junkyard dog as a pastor, right? If somebody told you something bad about me, ask me the whole story because it's worse than they're telling you because they don't know. There's not a person in this room that knows my stuff. My wife knows some of it. My mother knows some of it. My sister knows some of it. My brother, when he's here, knows some of it. But nobody knows all of it besides me and the Lord. And I don't even know what kind of stupid stuff I did sometimes, Right? Um, well, I want to continue. Listen, let's continue this. It's a couple of other points. Jesus, verse 13 and 14, end of verse 13. Jesus wanted his disciples to align their kingdom work and desires with the king's will. That's God's will. When they prayed in Jesus' name, they would be praying God's will. Their prayer and their works would bring honor and glory to the God the Father and God the Son. Jesus equipped his disciples' faith through his many miracles and teachings. They were taught directly by God. Isn't it amazing to think about Jesus when we say Jesus? God walked with these men and told them the way he wanted them to live. He says, don't worry, I'll be with you. I'm gonna, if I go away and I have to go away for you to do these greater things, 
And listen, he wasn't talking about them being little Jesuses going around, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. Not this mess that's on TV today. If you send fifty nine ninety five to me, if you come to my conference, if you do all the stuff I tell you to do, it brings glory to whom when we do that? The person that's putting on the conference, right? The person that's making the money from the event. If it draws attention to the person that's getting paid by it, if, if pastors are making millions and millions of dollars today, don't follow that nonsense. Don't even get involved in that nonsense because they're leading you far from God to them, not to the Father. And if you ever hear me say that, correct me because I want to see you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I will say like Paul says, if I'm doing it right, follow me as I follow Christ. But man, double check me, right? Because sometimes if you ride with me on the interstate, you know I, sometimes I, I mess it up, right? I have a conversation with everybody on the interstate. And I think NASCAR, I just, I just, I just, I, Wendy had to fix me yesterday. She said, I'm going to sleep. I have a conversation with everyone. She said, you know, they can't hear you. They don't even know that you're racing them. I was like, yeah, but I know. I'm a a sinful man, right? But always turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever, ever turn to a man or woman. Yeah, good godly counsel. If they take this and when you go to sit with somebody and they go to give you counsel, if they don't open this book, walk out. This is where godly counsel begins, at the authoritative source Authoritative source from God. And finally, in love, Jesus challenged his disciples to be God-centered in their motivation as they completed their kingdom assignments. If you're not God-centered, what will you be? Self-centered. And you think a lot of our music we sing today on contemporary Christian music on radio, it's all about me. Me, 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 me. God did this for me. Now, he did do it for us salvation-wise, but if you listen to some of the songs today, you could sing it to a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's self-centered what about me, and then God, you're responsible for answering to me. Well, God will never answer to you, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, right? He's God, and you are not. Amen? Last point, the power was and is in the name of Jesus. Colossians, Paul told the church at Colossae, listen, in the fullness of God that we see the Lord Jesus Christ. We see God in Jesus' human body, if you will, and then when we get to heaven, how are we going to see him? Revelation 1 tells us what he looks like. He's not that Small little Jewish man in Jerusalem that day. He's holy God. And when John saw him, what did he, do? he says, I fell down at his feet as dead. This is the disciple that Jesus loved. And when John said, hey, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet as dead because he's holy and I'm not. And then John said, listen, he said, get up. I want to show you some things. And God, he shows him. Let me pray for us today. And we're going to have a, something a little bit different than the invitation we're going to reverse the invitation today. Uh, we're going to have the, some of the praise team come up, and, and they're going to sing a song about this commission. Uh, but we want to have a conversation. Listen, if God has called you clearly to be saved, don't fight him anymore. Don't resist the Holy Spirit because only he can save you. He will save you when you ask. And you have to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You have to believe, listen, that he really was buried in a borrowed tomb you got to believe that he was dead three days and God raised him from the dead on the third day. If you believe this true and listen, you repent of your sins. You, As the way that you're going, you're walking and you do a 180 and go the other way and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to turn from my wretched, sinful ways and I want to walk in the way of righteousness in your power. Will you save me? And guess what he'll say 100% of the time? Yes. We've all experienced, those of us that are saved have experienced this love that comes from Christ. We can't explain it. We have peace that passes all understanding because he gave it to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. There's no merit on my behalf or your behalf 
that you can get it. It's just a free gift from God that's eternal life found only in Christ Jesus our Lord. But let's say the wages of our sin is death. If we don't do something with it, then we're going to pay for it for eternity ourselves in a place called hell. Here's a question and invitation as we get ready to sing. Are you going to let Christ deal with your sins? and pay for, It's already paid in full. All you're going to do is receive the gift. Or are you going to try to bear it yourself? Bow up your chest and say, I'll do it my way. I'm a self-made man, self-made woman. I'm, I'm a proud person, and I can't say, forgive me to God. You will have to make a choice. Matter of fact, you will make a choice today when you leave this place. You'll make a choice right now. Your heart's stirring. If God's stirring you, you'll say yes to the Holy Spirit. Or you'll say no to him. And let me tell you, if you're a Christian today and you're right with God, there's no sweeter place to be. Amen? It's a sweet spot to be in life. Knowing that you know that you know, that takes away your fear. And what happens is we can speak with confidence, saying, listen, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He leads my life, and he saved my life. I give him all glory because the Father sent him, and I give the glory to the Father. I praise the Holy Spirit today, too, for guiding me, right, making directions in my life. Well, here's what we have to do. We have to make a decision. We can pray. The altar's still open. I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to go back to the vestibule to have a conversation with you during the song. I'll be back. We'll do the Lord's Supper together. But if you need to have a conversation about what it means to be a Christian, I'd love to talk with you today. Mr. Mike's come back with me. Adrian, pop out if you'll go back with me as well. And uh, Adrian will probably have to sit down because he's getting over his surgery. But uh, listen, he'll share the gospel. We'll share the gospel, what it means with you. So we're going to be back. We'll reverse it just for today because of the Lord's Supper. But I also want you to hear what we're about to sing together.